0: So obviously, I'm going to say that it's just an amazing region of the world to study. And really, I think interest and the desire to know more about the world should inform one's desire to study African history. Now, of course, it, it, there could be practical reasons why I want to study it. I um, speak to a lot of journalists and to a lot of people who work in international organizations and who understand that a lot of the decisions that they have to make in their employment today is really sitting on top of not enough information about the antecedents of of certain cultures and approaches to business or to industry. So African history is um, seen as a gateway to understanding people but yeah i think ultimately interest is is the main reason why why would anybody not be interested <laughs> that's um, something that is doesn't make sense to me obviously because i'm so passionate ab- about it and want to help as many people as possible to dive into the narratives of the region but i think that it's also quite novel still you know we we are still Um, You know, many of the area studies departments in a lot of universities are really, you know, I mean, some of them might have histories that are decades old, of course, but in terms of their position within their institutions, the funding that they get, the academics that they um, attract and the willingness of academics from other disciplines to also lend their time and, um, you know, work and scholarship to to those area studies department, I think is, is something that has seen a growth in in the last sort of 10 to 20 years. But I think for the most part, people don't study a lot of African history in schools. And why should you if you're not in Africa? <laughs> um, but you definitely should if you are in the United Kingdom, I would argue, and, and you should if you are in the, in the United States and in, in much of South America and and the Caribbean because those communities those civilizations to use the much contested term have been so in so influenced by and so bolstered by African human capital over the last five hundred years and also African intellectual capital that in in many of those cases have become the indigenous so you know it's um it's it's important to to study those things and and i think it, it is actually still remains a novel part of history because it's not taught as much and i think in those regions it probably should be taught more but another brilliant thing as well as just you know being in search of of new ideas um, and new events to add to your world view is the fact that by studying african history you're also kind of opening yourself up to studying african approaches to history because of course the best way to understand, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the best way to understand African narratives is to is to study them and seek to understand them using the, the framework with, within which they were developed, which would need or necessitate an understanding of African historical processes and African approaches to even things as elemental as time and space. Um, and that can really open up, you know, in terms of the rigor of one's intellectual pursuit, open one up to looking at a whole range of different um, ideas in, in, in a different way. And so that, that's a great thing about studying African history, because you you will soon, if you're doing it properly and you, you have the, the correct tuition, you will soon um, find that you get very you won't get very far. You won't be able to move away from some of the difficult narratives if, if you don't begin to think more critically about the way you are actually doing the history as opposed to just consuming as much of it as possible. You will be, I think, infinitely dissatisfied and underwhelmed if you use solely Western approaches to historical study to tap into African narratives. I think it's also particularly um, important because African history, particularly before 1500, is the shared heritage on which, you know, the, the political concept of blackness is built. So if you are interested in really any contemporary black studies, whether they be political, social, whether they be on the continent or in diaspora, if we're going to have a conversation about the black experience on a, on a global scale, then you have to understand the the world of Africa before 1500 because and of course you know a lot of people in diaspora left after that and you've had migrations continuing from 1500 right to the present day um but that's what blackness is is based on right it's based on the fact that we were all somewhere (laughs) and you know it's even it's a it's a complete fallacy because of course you know, Western Africans, West Africans had nothing, nothing to do with with East Africans. Never met. You know, probably the average, the average West African and East African still haven't met, let alone back then. But you know, so the term Africa is obviously very loose. But there is, of course, in my opinion, as a, as a person of the Pan African persuasion, there is of course something that links us all on the continent, a, a shared cultural and linguistic, um, and, and cosmological heritage. But if we if we're going to talk about that, we need to try to find, I think, a unifying concept of of blackness that is not just the 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 result of the political or the politicizing of race that really reached its apex in in the nineteenth and twentieth centuries. Because of course, uh, if if that's the case, then we would always be acting to negate and erase Blackness because it, if that's its only basis, it doesn't serve us. It's it's a tool um, against the community. So I think focusing our attention on trying to find a pre-1500 basis of Blackness necessitates the study of African history in and of itself. And I think as well, you know, African history is really the only part of history that was, or the only re- regional history that was so consciously left out of the Western historical discourse in, in the 19th century. Of course, you know, Western historical scholars were really only talking about their very limited part of the world, um, geographically limited, and were looking at other parts of the world, even past civilizations in through their own lens, you know, in their own image. Um, anybody would imagine that Greece is in western europe if if one reads the the literature it's definitely not presented as as a country that would have had influences from a, a, a wider geographic region extending to its north its east and its its south um, but if you read western um, if you read western history and you and you begin to track the the links that are drawn in in the in in the modernist view of progress from um, Greek antiquity and Roman antiquity to the present day, then you would think it's this kind of uh, smooth line um, that only went one way, really, which was to London. But um, you have in the 19th century, yeah, African history really deliberately left out of Western um, historical discourse. And that's, that's important because the continent was colonized by western um, governments, and what that meant is that the the first pseudo national institutions, particularly those around education, were developed by um, administrators and intellectuals with who held those beliefs right so it's not' it's, it's, it's not possible to disregard that because the The institutions that were developed, that would later become national institutions under national um, departments of state, would have conceptualized of curriculums and taught histories and literatures with the express belief that there was nothing to teach that was African. There was just nothing. And and to put that into context, we can take a, a quote from Heigl, who is the the german philosopher who who been extremely influential in the development of 19th century um i guess you could say the professionalization of the study of history he his tools have been actually used to disprove his own quite racist views which i'm going i'm going to quote from but so he he you will find that there are many um scholars of african philosophy scholars of african uh, philosophies of history that will actually use his his own tools, particularly his um, his his philosophical tools and the philosophical the framework within which he engages in philosophical arguments to actually validate a, a lot of um, ideas about the importance of African systems of thought on on a world scale and, and going back all the way to antiquity. But I want to read this quote because it's a highly influential quote and. He wrote, Africa is no historical part of the world. It has no movement or development to exhibit. Historical movements in it, that is, in its northern part, belong to the Atlantic or European world. Carthage displayed there an important transitory phase of civilization, but as a Phoenician colony, it belongs to Asia. Egypt will be considered in reference to the passage of the human mind from its eastern to its western phase, but it does not belong to the African spirit. What we properly understand by Africa is the unhistorical, underdeveloped spirit, still involved in the conditions of mere nature and which have to be presented here only as the threshold of the world's history. Stamming staff. And I I think that, you know, his idea is, is it's not his ideas are not so remote from contemporary scholarship. You, you know, you, you just had a very prominent historian at the University of Cambridge recently, 2020, lose his seat because he espoused you know, beliefs that aren't too far from this in terms of dismissing the historical value of of the black experience. So it's not just about learning, unfortunately, with African history. It's also about unlearning. It's also about unlearning because there has been con- concerted efforts to just not engage in the dialogue. And when the when when the conversation takes place about African history, unfortunately it's just this hasn't been great, and if we have grown up as I have done within that tradition, it's it's unfortunate, but it's not possible to just ignore it or just to kind of think about it in a constructive way and kind of say, "Oh, how can we move on from here?" We we do have to address it. We do have to unlearn and rebuild and reconstruct, um, and it's, it's it's sometimes a challenging <laughs> and difficult process. Uh, you you'll see at the African History Project, we don't spend a lot of time. Advocating—we're not advocates—but we spend a lot of time designing our courses to be, by definition, corrective agents for this for this type of mentality, and to give people the opportunity to dive into what we feel are just amazing regional histories and thematic studies of the continent and of its diaspora, yeah, in, in a in a more in a more positive light, and and more than that, just in a light. not not in a darkness so yeah i think you need to study african history you need to (laughs) i'm telling you you need to um you know if you're interested in history it's a great region of history to study it will be probably some of the most novel history that you will study because so little of it is taught and it will allow you to delve into new ways of even thinking about what is the historical and if you want to understand contemporary black cultures, then understanding pre-1500 African societies and even after that is, is, is integral. It's just integral to any kind of um, engagement with contemporary Africa. And it's also important just for self-development and intellectual development to begin to reverse some of the difficult histories that the study of history has with the African continent.